So Sunday we talked about worship being an aroma that's lifted up to the Lord. We talked about our smell, the Hebrew word bahash, which means the reaction to a sacrifice, an offering, or a smell. Everybody remember that from Sunday? Sometimes our worship stinks, and sometimes it's well-pleasing to the Lord. I believe what I was just a part of smelled pretty good. Amen. Felt pretty good. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, I pray that every time we gather together that our worship gives off a sweet-smelling aroma unto the Lord. You know, there are a lot of ideas about how to get out of debt, how to get through, how to get through depression, how to get off drugs or alcohol, how to have a better life. And all of those ideas are great. Some of them are even biblical. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to get a word from God, an answer from God, worship is the key. Corporate, private, whatever you can do to get in the presence of God will shake you, change you, use you, and move you. Amen? God still speaks. So I want to give you the remedy tonight, the remedy for your smell. If you, the worship you've been offering up, the Bahash you've been offering up, is not giving off the kind of aroma you'd like it to, or you're not seeing the results you want to, I want to give you the remedy tonight. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And that's what it's all about, making God happy, honoring God, pleasing God with our lives, with our voices, with our gifts, with our talent. With the hours we put in to the kingdom every day is what we're doing, pleasing a holy God. Do we smell good? I believe the remedy is something I like to call three-dimensional worship. You can write that down. Three-dimensional worship. I believe that three-dimensional worship captures the personality of God, the heart of God, the purpose of God... And the plan of God for your life. When you learn how to worship God the way it's supposed to be done, things will begin to line up for you in his kingdom. The beauty of three-dimensional worship is when each dimension comes into agreement with the other, the Holy Spirit comes and things begin to shift. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know the story in John 12 of Mary and Martha. Martha served and Mary worshiped, and it defines the difference. There's nothing wrong with service, but every now and then you've got to get to the feet of Jesus. Some people are anointed to serve, and if they're not serving, they're not happy. Anybody know anybody like that? 
service for some people is an act of worship. I spent Monday night over with the Osis. I don't know if you've ever had Paula Osis cooking, um, but if you haven't, you're missing out, okay? The woman can cook. She can lay it down. She is a phenomenal cook. And uh, Don loves to kill wild game, but if you eat his food, you might get a bullet in your teeth. Uh, my ministry assistant, Denise Ham, ate a piece of pheasant and got a bullet in her tooth on Monday night for the national championship. But let me tell you about Paula, and this is why I'm bringing that up. She always, you know, on Christmas Eve every year, she's, she's at my door with a pound cake. It, it was pouring down rain this Christmas, and she, she never comes in. She refuses to come in. She brings that pound cake over, and I've gotten to where I'm addicted and looking forward to it. So if she doesn't come next year, I'm going to wonder what's going on. But that's how she serves people. She cooks for them. That's what she likes to do. It pleases her to serve others. Well, I was so interested. I'd only been to their home one other time in my life, and so I took my boys over there to watch the National Championship because my youngest is friends with her grandsons, and it was a huge deal, and the boys wanted to go. And rarely do I get all three of my boys together with me because of the age difference, and this is something they all wanted to do. So we all went, and as I'm making my plate, Paula said, Pastor, what would you have to drink? And I, I looked around, and she said, ginger ale, right? And I said, yeah. But how do you know ginger ale is my favorite drink? Like, ginger ale is my favorite drink, for anybody who wants to know. If you have me over, I love ginger ale. But no, that's normally not in people's top five, right? She said, I heard you casually mention it one time. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that woman has a gift of service. For her to remember that I mentioned I like ginger ale in passing and have it for me. Now, let me go a little bit further. Not only was it in the kitchen, they have a gazebo outside, and it was stacked in the fridge, too. I felt special. Now, I talked about Honor Sunday, but I felt special, but I was so impressed by that. Nothing wrong with service. Service is an act of worship. But there comes a time when you got to put the bacon mitts down, the rag away, and you got to get your oil, and you got to spend time with your king. You got to take a break from everybody else and spend time with your king. Because there are things that will happen in your prayer closet with your king that you won't get from any sermon, you won't get from utilizing your gift. You'll only get it in your prayer closet. Now, I don't care how you do it. Some people scream and holler and run around. Some people just cry and read the Word. Some people listen to worship. Some people worship on their own, in their own way. Do what you got to do in your prayer language, whatever you got to do. But if you don't have time apart with God daily, you're missing out. Because where you invest your time and where you invest your money is where your heart is. So if you got four hours in TV, eight hours at work, three hours with your family, and you got two seconds with God, you got to check yourself on that. Because God needs time with you. You are valuable to God. He loves you. And if you love Him, give Him your time. Give Him that precious commodity. So let's first talk about the outward dimension. Not a long message tonight. Three-dimensional worship, the outward dimension. Service, service. We're going to call this the service dimension. This is how you serve others and you serve God through your gifts. It has to do with your attitude 
in worship, your compassion towards others. Romans 14. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. This is the law of love. Verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Truly, we should walk in love. There are a lot of things Christian people do that get on my nerves. I'm just being honest with you. And there are a lot of opinions Christian people have that aren't biblical that get on my nerves. But you'll never hear me preach about them because I don't want to give people an excuse to walk away from the faith or to sin. But there are some views that certain Christians have that I believe are nonsensical. But I'll, you'll never hear me preach about them because of this chapter. Because it says keep your mouth shut at the end of it. And don't mess up what God's trying to do in somebody else's life. So I choose not to do that. But let me say this. Whatever you do has got to be in love. If you confront someone, it needs to be in love. If you restore someone, it needs to be in love. Amen? If you have an issue with someone, it needs to be rooted in love. If it's not done in love, you're, it's never going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. So if you're going to correct someone, you're going to make a stand for something. If you don't do it in love, you will not be heard. You'll have a ceiling, a fleshly ceiling that you're not penetrating and getting into the kingdom that, like God wants you to. Do not destroy your food with your food, the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. I've taught you this before. You had the Jews and the Gentiles arguing over rules and regulations. Paul says you're both wrong because you're not walking in love. Let's walk in love. It's our compassion towards others and our attitude towards God. The outward dimension. Not only is it our attitude in worship, it's our activity in worship. Paul would say that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Our activity in worship. The Gentiles were the result of active worship. If it's sanctified by the Holy Spirit, God will use it. So it doesn't matter if someone's sitting still, screaming, crying. Now, I like order. I believe it's biblical. So if God's called me as the leader to do something and you're doing something that's out of order, I've got to shut you up to do what God called me to do. That's biblical. But what I'm talking about is your worship. You don't have to worship like everybody else. And thank God we have freedom in this church during worship for you to get down like you want to get down. About the only time we call you to orders during the message and invitation. If you want to dance, you can dance. You want to cry, you can cry. You want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. You do your thing. You want to kneel down and make an altar out of your seat, you can do it here. And I won't judge you. And I don't think most of our faithful people would either. We want you to have the freedom to do what God's called you to do. So you have to have the right attitude towards God. Come before Him with a pure heart. Your activity is an activity that requires sanctification. Set yourself apart for time with God. And then that leads to abundance and sacrifice. Giving of yourself. Giving of your life. You know, the, the closer I get to God, the more of myself I have to give away. And that's hard sometimes. 
The more I study God's Word, the more me has to die. And some parts I've enjoyed watching them die. Other parts I really miss. But you can't follow the pathway of Jesus Christ or the Word of God without dying to yourself. You know, I'm dealing with uh, a senior. It's been an emotionally hard year for me that I thought I was ready for. And I'm not. Like, Eddie, I'm not. I'm not. Like, um, I had Trey as a kid pretty much. I was just 20 years old, and we kind of grew up together. And, you know, we had the perfect relationship till he hit puberty. <laughs> Anybody else go through that? Thank God I'm not the only one. So we kind of took a detour till about 10th or 11th grade, and then we kind of came back. But it's not so hard knowing that he's growing up and that he's about to go off. That's hard. That's emotionally hard. But what I'm struggling with is seeing him struggle with it because he's dealing with some last, some goodbyes, and some regrets of his own. Like, I see him spend a little bit more time with his brothers than he has in three years. I'm seeing him struggle with it, which is making me struggle with it. You know, and, um, you know, there comes a time in our lives where we have to just recognize that seasons change. And I was talking to uh, one of our local politicians today about something entirely different than what I'm preaching on. But I got into this same topic about kind of having to die to some of my expectations for my son and let him be his own person which you've all as a parent or grandparent you've all dealt with this I know you have and I always thought it was easy until I had to do it um, but he said something that stuck with me he said that boy's not yours anyways and so at first I thought he was insulting my wife like do I need to get a DNA test or what's he talking about does he know something I don't like I'm, I find that insulting and then I was like, no, he's a Christian. That's not what he's saying. And then he said it again, and he said it again. And I was like, oh, I get what he's saying. He said, that's the Lord's. He's God's. God gave him to you. Now you've got to give him back. And, man, it rocked me. But it kind of took me into a place of worship. You know, Abraham had to hike up Mount Moriah and offer Isaac his promise that he'd waited his whole life for. God said, oh, yeah? You love him more than me? Sacrifice him on this altar. And Abraham was willing to. And had the knife pulled back. And there was a ram in the thicket. And God provided a substitutionary sacrifice. Which I believe that it pointed to Jesus. I believe the mercy seat was right under where Jesus was cru crucified. And I believe blood dripped down on that seat. That's what I believe. And I'm telling you, the mercy of God is still available. And if he extends us that kind of mercy, why can't we extend that to one another? I, I said, I want us to be a house of grace. I want us to be a house of honor, but I want us to be a house of mercy. I tell you, I'm looking forward to um, celebrate recovery starting in January. I really am. It's going to be good. We had four overdoses in Saudi Daisy last week. I'm not sure if y'all are aware of that. Because they don't talk about it on the news. Four overdoses, 40 and under. It's a real problem in our city. Heroin is. Pain pills are. 
And I'm just thankful we're, we're going to not only call ourselves the house of grace, we're going to have a safe haven for people. And it's not just about drugs and alcohol. It's about everything. But I'm thankful people have a place to go that struggle. And I believe that's part of our work. The outward dimension, the inward dimension. Pleasing means acceptable. If you smell good, it means you are acceptable. You have an acceptable smell. It means what you offer up to the Lord is accepted by Him, just like the burnt offerings. Outward is what you do. Inward is the nature of your heart. Acceptable. What is the nature of your heart tonight towards Jesus Christ and the things that He loves? How do you feel about the things that Jesus loves, that He calls blessed, the pathway He's called you to? It's a matter of your heart. It's a matter of personal behavior. You have the outward dimension, the inward dimension. You have your heart. Listen to what Ephesians says. For once, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is, there's that word again, acceptable to the Lord. Acceptable to the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority that may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So we have the outward dimension and then we have the inward dimension. Paul's favorite phrase was in him. In him. Knowing who you are in Christ. If you're in Christ and he's in you, then you're in agreement with the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Which means you can do greater works. You can walk in what Jesus said you could walk in. You can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You can walk in divine momentum and anointing if you're in Him. Now, if you love Him, that's one thing. But if you're connected to Him, and you're allowing Him to do things through you, then things can begin to happen. But some of us don't want things to happen because we don't want to be labeled. We want somebody else to work the miracles because we don't want the label of weird on us. But the problem is everything Jesus did was weird. Water to wine was weird. Raising a paralytic was weird. Healing Lazarus was weird. Yes, walking on water was weird. Hanging out with prostitutes, saving them at a well was weird. He was weird. And we are to be in him. Which means we're going to be ambassadors, which means we're aliens. We're going to be weird, too, because we're going to look like the kingdom and sound like the kingdom. So we've got to get to a place where we don't want to sound like everybody else. We don't want to look like everybody else. We want to be who God's called us to be. The inward dimension. What's going on inside? If there's something hindering you from worshiping, repent. Continually be cleansed. Cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness. I know you struggle this week. We all have. Ask God to cleanse you. Don't sit there and wrestle with it for 24 to 48 hours mentally. Confess it. Repent. Cleanse yourself. Renew your worship. And allow God to move in on your life. Stop living in shame, guilt, and condemnation. The enemy uses that to keep you from worshiping. Because he lost his privilege to worship. So all he can do on this earth is try to get worship unto himself. So the best thing you can do to combat the enemy is worship God.
Because he got cast down and lost his privilege to do it. So when you do it, you are showing him that you are above him. And that you are in Jesus. That you are connected with Jesus. Satan lost his privilege to do what you can do freely right now. And when you worship, things begin to change. And worship truly is the remedy for a bad odor. If you've been offering up nonsense to God, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. A sweet-smelling aroma. That's what he's called you to. The outward, the inward, and the upward dimension. The upward dimension. What is the result of three-dimensional worship? It's sacrifice. It's continuous change and cleansing. It's a brokenness that leads to joy. You know, God will break you, but that brokenness ought to lead to joy, not depression. Brokenness leads to joy in the Holy Ghost. If it never leads to joy, then what you've got is not godly brokenness. What you've got is heaviness. And you cure that with worship too. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Both are cured by worship. Hebrews 13, our text, talks about three-dimensional worship in a number of verses. Our original text was in verse 15, but I'm going to start at the beginning, and I just want to charge you with these things for 2020, and I'll teach along the way. Let brotherly love continue. This is relational love. Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love, phileo, brotherly love. We have agape is the Jesus kind of love, which we should all attain. Brotherly love. I want to challenge you to be relational in 2020. I don't care if you're a senior adult. Do you know that we've got senior adults that don't have a church home? And they're building this big facility over here. So if you're over 65 and you think your days of inviting people to church are over, wrong. I'm about to put you all to work. We've got a property on our property. Also, we have a condominiums being built, retirement homes in the round on your way to Hamill Road right now. And so we're for every generation. So from now on, when I challenge people to invite, understand I'm talking to you too. We can invite everybody. I want to challenge you in 2020 to build a relationship with someone different from you. Maybe they're different politically. Maybe they're different. Maybe they're homosexual. You don't have to agree with what they do, but love them. Build a relationship in 2020 with someone different than you. Different racially, sexually, theologically, whatever it is. Build a relationship with them. And whether you disagree with them or not, love them. And trust God with it. Let brotherly love continue. I can stay on that all day and I'm not going to. Don't forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Christian compassion, Christian companionship. Remember the prisoners, Miss Jones, if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body of Christ also. So they may be in prison, but if they're saved, they're still connected to us. And if they're unsaved, they're still our job to get saved. So we can't abandon that. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. This has to do with the way we walk, our character, 
Christian compassion, Christian companionship, Christian character. God's still interested in how we live our lives. And now Christian conduct. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have in 2020. For he said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Now, getting into worship. Circling back to Sunday. Remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow. Considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's a praise in the midst of these directions and instructions. Do not be carried about with strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. For we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Can you smell that? Therefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. Therefore let us go forth to him outside the camp bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city but we seek the one to come. Somebody say Jesus is coming back. We're not floating on the clouds. He's coming back. And we're going to be a city. And we're going to reign with him with responsibility for a thousand years. But we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, he's coming back. He died for us. He got up out of the grave. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to our God. That is the fruit of our lips. We praise Him with our mouths, the things we say. We praise Him with our compassion. We praise Him with our character. We praise Him with our conduct, how we treat others, how we walk. Our marriage is a testimony to God with the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to His name, the name above every name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, plural, God is well pleased. So, we go through all these things. Christian compassion, Christian character, Christian conduct, Christian contentment. Don't be covetous. All these things. Then he gets here and he says, bring a a continual sacrifice of praise to God, which is the remedy. Bring three-dimensional worship to the forefront. Outward, inward, and upward. Outward, inward, and upward. And then I love this. Right in the middle of that. But don't forget to do good. Because why was this necessary to include in, in this to the Hebrews? Because you know, as well as I do, you got people that have the elements of praise and worship. But they get in their own little trance. And their whole life is a prayer closet. And they never get out of it. So in the midst of this, I believe it was Paul, some don't, doesn't matter. The writer says, don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share your faith. Don't forget to invite and invest and to go help the prisoners and to help people less fortunate than you. Don't get so caught up. Because worship's not just inward. It's not just about the tingles you can get. 
and your prayer language and your ministry, it's outward too. It's out here. It's how you treat others. It's what comes out of your mouth, your conduct, your compassion, your character, your contentment. Don't forget to do good because your worship stinks if you treat people bad. Your worship stinks if you don't forgive. Your worship stinks if you judge people. He says, I want you to give off a sweet sacrifice, an aroma that pleases me, that doesn't have a stench about it. And it's outward, it's inward, and it's upward. But I promise you this, if it's upward, it'll change what's inward. And it'll affect what you do on the outside of your flesh. It won't turn you into some kind of angel. But it will change your character. It will change you. It will change you. And then it says, before the benediction, obey those in the middle. I mean, right here at the end. Obey those that rule over you. So we talk about compassion, contentment, character, covetousness, all these things. He says, hey, but by the way, when you're worshiping me, don't forget to do good and to share. But also, don't forget to submit to authority. These things are mentioned because if you get the first part right and you forget these things... Your worship's not going to be accepted. Don't disrespect officers, leaders, pastors, teachers, whatever, parents. Do not disrespect those in authority over you. Don't do it. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So, your submission is an act of worship. You're not worshiping that person. You're worshiping God. You know what you're saying? The fruit that comes from your lips. When you submit, what you're saying is this. God, I trust you with my situation. I'm not going to try to fix it in my own flesh, in my own strength. I trust you to remove me from this bad situation you to relieve me from it, or you to promote me out of it. When you submit, you're not saying, hey, I'm just going to be miserable. You're saying, God, I trust you with this. You're bigger than this. Somebody say, I'm not stuck. You're not stuck. God will shift you and he will move you out of it if your praise is right, if your sacrifice is right, if your conduct matches your praise and your heart's right. God will shift you. Three-dimensional, inward, outward, and upward. When you grab those truths about worship, and it's not about you, it's about Him, everything that you're struggling with, God will bring you through it. But it's a continual sacrifice. It's a continual cleansing. We have taught in error in most churches that once you get saved you're done with the Christian experience and then we all get older and we realize that wasn't enough 
it's enough theologically, but if you don't continually cleanse yourself and draw closer to the Lord, you're going to keep messing up. You're never going to have victory over your struggles. And the reason we have a generation that's not in church, that's now starting to come back to church, is because we said, saved, baptized, ticket into heaven, you're good, next. And we didn't disciple anybody. We didn't teach them to love Jesus, how to worship Jesus. And that's what we should be doing. Just teaching them how to walk with God and teaching them to be authentic. That's what I love about even AA and Celebrate Recovery and all these things is the honesty that comes out. You know, if you're not honest with me, I can't covenant with you. And if I'm not honest with with you, you can't covenant with me. True relationships about being honest. Now God already knows your junk, so you might as well be honest with Him. But isn't it special when God's people can do what it says in James and confess their sins one to another? Worship with people, you know their faults and they know yours, but yet God's so much bigger. And we're, we're progressing in our walk. God's cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And the focus is upward, not on one another. I tell you, when a church gets that, even in a season, in a moment, revival comes. And I believe we're on the verge of that here. We've seen signs of that. And it, it brings me joy. You know, it said, submit to those, let them serve with joy. I want to be honest with you tonight. Since about August, I've been serving with joy. Amen. Doesn't mean I'm, life's perfect or I don't have bad days or struggles or dealing with church stuff's always a struggle. But what it does mean is I believe, man, my core people get, are getting the vision. And I'm seeing you work it and love each other and forgive people. And it blesses me to see you growing. It brings me hope, you know, when I see you getting it. When I see you catching the vision. And I see God working in your lives. Never underestimate the power of an email, a text, a message about what God's doing in your life. Don't ever think those things bother me. Those things build me up. When God works a miracle for you, it helps my faith grow. Now, complaints can wait till Monday or Tuesday. But praise reports you can send me 24-7, okay? In fact, if you want to send a complaint, I'll give you Denise's email and Ken Hartley's email. And they'll be happy to handle your issues, but I'm for prayer requests and praise reports, amen? amen? That's what it's all about. Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray over you tonight, and I don't know if our worshipers are still in the house. Dana, you, I got you with me, amen? Let's worship some, Dana, can we? Let's just, let's just, let's do it. The message is about worship, and let's lift an upward praise that'll change the inside of us, and hopefully our conduct, make us compassionate, make us content, Put our focus on Christ tonight. I want to pray over you tonight, and then I just want us to worship together, and then you can just leave when you feel led to leave. I'll close it here in a little while, but I want you to get your worship on before you leave. Father God, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for loving us when we don't deserve it. Thank you, Lord, for the joy that I have tonight that the people of Abba's house are rising up, that they're catching the vision that we are a house of grace and that they are individual houses of grace and that you're blessing the people of this house. Lord, I just give you praise for that. 
Lord, I'm thankful for all that you're doing. Lord, in our congregation, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, celebrate recovery next week would just be outstanding. Lord, that it wouldn't just have a good start, that it would be a continual blessing to this city. That you'd bring people here, Lord, that lives would be saved and changed, and souls would be changed because of it. Lord, I'm thankful for what we do every Sunday. Lord, I pray that people would go from watching us on television to getting up on Sunday and driving into this parking lot and coming into the atmosphere and being a part of what you're doing here on Sundays, Lord. Send us the right people, Lord, to help us do the work you've called us to. Lord, send us sinners. Send us everybody. Lord, we'll love them. We'll serve them. Father God, let us look inward now to our own hearts. Lord, if, if there's dirtiness, you know, or uncleanliness in our hearts tonight, Lord, clean it up. Forgive us. Make us new. Make us whole. Make us pure. Lord, we, we ask for forgiveness for anything that we've done that's hurt your heart, hurt your kingdom. Maybe things we're not even aware of. Lord, I just pray. On behalf of this congregation, that you'd cleanse us from all unrighteousness tonight. Create in us a pure heart and a clean heart, oh Lord. Father God, we look inward. We want our hearts to be pure. And Lord, we move from upward and inward to outward. Lord, teach us to be soul winners, to do good, to have compassion on those who need it. To model, to the best of our ability, what Christian living, Christian conduct and character is all about. Lord, we can't do it in our flesh, but you can do it through your Spirit. So, Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come now and comfort your people tonight. Encourage them, lift them up. Teach us to be worshipers, Lord, because we know that three-dimensional worship is the remedy. Remedy for a sacrifice that's not pleasing. So, Lord, tonight, before we leave, we offer you our greatest praise. In your presence, Lord, we offer our praise, our worship, our love, our adoration for all, all that you've done for us. You are worthy of it tonight, Father. In Jesus' name, stand on your feet and let's just worship together for a few minutes before we leave.